That was the hand of God that just showed up on the screen, just so you know. Uh, so I, I don't know, we're going to be starting a uh, two-step uh, class uh, on Thursday nights, probably, in order to be able to handle some of these songs that we're giving, getting from Dave. You know, he's from Virginia, so we said, hey, just throw a little of yourself into that music for us, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. I appreciate Dave uh, doing the welcome, and I was supposed to do that, but I uh, had two really good conversations after the 9 o'clock service, uh, so I, because of technology, started texting Greg, but I saw Greg, I told Greg, Greg told Dave, communication, it's beautiful. So, and he forgot the Connect class, <clears throat> so uh, just FYI, we have the Connect class coming up on next Sunday. So if you want to find out more about our church, what we're all about, why we do what we do, our history, beliefs, all that kind of stuff, it's a great opportunity to come hear about that, ask questions. Uh, we have lunch provided for you. I have child care provided for you. Uh, if you're interested in membership, that would be a class you take. Um, so, um, but you don't have to become a member, just saying, if you're interested in that too, uh, that's a class you take. All right? Whew, okay. Just came off those two conversations and kind of pumped, kind of pumped. Um, one person asked me, uh, do you ever teach on this? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah all the time. <laughs> so, anyways, um, they don't, they didn't come that much. That's why they asked the question. So I'm just, anyways, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for uh, today, and I thank you for your goodness to us, for the opportunity to worship you as we've done here this morning, and um, just what you're doing in the lives of those in our church family and those who are um, checking us out for the first time, and. Um, Lord, it's just such an honor to be used by you, to see you uh, bring people into a saving relationship with you and then see you working in their lives and transforming them and having them go through the ups and downs of what that looks like and what you're asking of them. And just so good um, to be a part of that. We thank you for allowing us to have that honor. Lord, this morning as we look into your word, uh, I just pray that you'd give me clear thoughts and clear words and um, my heart kind of calmed down a little bit and, and just present your word uh, in a clear way. And knowing that your Holy Spirit is the one who ultimately teaches, we thank you for that as well. We praise things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, borrowed time. We are in week chapter, uh, week chapter three. See, it's already starting. We are in week three. I won't even tell you what came out of my mouth during uh, the practice this morning. I came walking and talked to Greg and Brian and Tried to say one word, and it was not that word. <laughs> so, anyways, I ask the Lord to forgive me. Anyways, uh, so we are in week three of our borrowed time, and we're looking at the, the last words Paul speaks or writes to Timothy, to the church at Ephesus, and really to all the Christians who lived at that time because they would move this letter around to the different churches and to us today. Because Paul's sitting in prison because he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was sharing the message that God, Jesus Christ, died on the cross in order for us to have our sins forgiven and a relationship with God restored. And that was the message he was sharing, and it was impacting people's lives so much that it was causing those who were not believing in the message to be irritated, to be frustrated, to not like the message. And they were able to get the Roman authorities to arrest Paul, and now Paul was sitting in prison waiting to see if he's going to lose his life or not. He eventually is uh, executed for sharing that message. Anybody want to come to Jesus this morning? 
how to win friends and influence people, right? Hey, let me tell you about Paul. Well, when it comes to death, death really clarifies for us what life should be all about, right? I mean, if you knew, we've been talking about this, if you knew you were going to die, I think you would probably look at life and say, okay, what's really important? From this point forward, what's really important? If I had somebody to talk to, a friend or a family member who wanted to know what's important, I would be sharing with them, hey, listen, now coming to this point in my life, this is what I think is really important. And so Paul, who's coming to the end of his life, is saying, hey, here's what's important. And so we learned in week one, the most important thing, if you're sitting here this morning, you've placed your faith in Christ and you call yourself a Christian, the most important thing in your life and in my life is that we continually share the gospel, this message of forgiveness and relationship with God, freedom from hell, and a life in heaven with him. We, we share that message with people because we know God is going to empower us and God's going to protect us. That's what chapter 1 was all about. He says, we've been given a spirit of power, love, and discipline, not the power of t- or the spirit of timidity, timidity, cowardice. Christians are not to be cowards. We're to be out there sharing this incredible message, and that's the most important thing. But when that happens, people might get a little bit irritated and frustrated with us. And so the second um, chapter, Paul was talking about the fact that if, if we want to be strengthened in Christ, he tells Timothy to be strengthened, let Christ strengthen you. How do you do it? Number one is you do it by getting a team of people together who's going to help you help others grow in their faith, help them grow in their understanding of the gospel, and help them to know how does that play out in their life. And so there's going to be certain people who are, you know, official teachers, such as myself or some of us who do Bible studies, But everybody, according to Jesus, everybody is to be discipling others. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be with other people and helping them grow in their walk with the Lord, understanding what it means to be a Christian and how it impacts their life. As we kick off week three, we're going to look at this idea of maybe being strengthened by Christ from a little bit of a different angle. But let me ask you some questions. I got them up on the screen. Don't answer them out loud. Just think about them. Take the opportunity to kind of think through who influences or speaks into your life? Who are, the, who are the people that you allow to speak to you about what is truth or what is not truth or what they think truth is? When life gets tough, who gives you the truth that you need to respond? And then how do you know it's true? Like for instance, for me... Um, I know I'm older. I know I look very young, but I'm older. And uh, so, but my parents, my, my mom passed away this fall. My dad's still living. He's 95 years old. Um, he's having cataract surgery at 95 years old. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we're really hoping it helps him, you know, as he's, he's reading God's word and, and other things. They can actually read it and see it. But anyways, they, they have raised me. And so over those years of raising me, they still speak into my life what they believed was true and what they said what the Bible taught and just, you know, life stuff. And today, people speak into my life. I, I allow people to speak into my life, whether it's, you know, somebody on the radio or someone on TV or a podcast or books I read or whatever. Who do you let speak into your life as to what may or may not be truth? And how do you respond to life? 
And do we know whether what they're saying or not is true? So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's page 1192 if you're using the Bible there in the, in the chairs. And um, we're going to look at some things that Paul is talking about here as it relates to um, the difficult times that are coming. As he says, there are difficult times coming. We know in our country there are difficult times coming, right? I mean, then some of them are already here. Um, I don't think, I'm 53 years old. I never really thought I would be seeing the stuff that I'm seeing in our country. I just never, re- I, I knew things would probably get bad at some point, but I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Paul's even saying the same thing. And so he wants to talk to us about who it is that we could allow to speak into our lives as we move forward. And let me just give you a heads up. You only have two choices. <laughs> Ultimately, we only have two choices as to who we allow to speak into our lives. It could either be man or it could be God, or actually the cross is there. So it could be man, or it could be God. I'm trying to relate to the cross. You know what I'm doing, Dan? See that? Um, even if a person um, is religious, even if a person sounds like they're using churchy words, religious words and terminologies, if what they're teaching is not biblical, it's man's wisdom. It's what man thinks the Bible says about life. So, of course, if the person's not religious, it's obviously, if it's secular, it's obviously man's wisdom. But even if it's a religious-sounding person, someone, I don't care how good or how good-looking they are or how good they sound or, you know, energetic they are, whatever, what, if, it's, if it's not biblical... That is just man sharing what he thinks the Bible says. On the other hand, our other option is God and what God says in his word. Now, you who are sitting out here who are um, skeptical like I am, I'm a very big skeptic, you're sitting there going, hey, wait a second, Harold, you're the one talking. You're a man. Yeah, so you guys better know the Bible. Find out if I'm teaching God's word right or not. You know, I'm just saying. Um, I, I, I'm studying God's word all week long and I'm trying to do life God's way. And, but as you look through these verses, maybe that'll be helpful a little bit. But yeah, you guys need to be in God's word. We'll be talking more about that. So who are you listening to? How can you trust what they say? According to Bible and in 2 Timothy 3, we should be able to look at their life and tell whether it's true or not. So by looking at their lives, which makes it kind of difficult if you're looking, watching somebody on TV or hearing them on the radio, you're going to have to do some more investigation. But we're supposed to look at their, their lives. And I, when I said it, I don't mean how much money are they making, how big of a house they have, how many luxury cars they have, um, where are their four or five houses that they have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what's really going on in their lives. Are they people who have peace? Are they people who are truly content? Are they people who really care about people? Or are they more about themselves when it comes to their relationships? You know, it's that kind of, the the important stuff in life that we all know are important. So Paul speaks to these two choices here in in 2 Timothy 3. So we're going to look at choice one, man's wisdom. And and back then, everything was religious back then. So this is kind of clothed in religion. 
And I think it's probably good for us to be thinking that way too because we get it that if somebody's not a Christian or a religious person, they give us opinions. It's their opinions. So he says this. Again, we just, we just got done chapter 2 talking about um, needing to have teachers who understand the gospel and how to do life. And if there's somebody who doesn't understand or somebody who's teaching something wrong, we're supposed to try to help them get right. But if they don't get right, have nothing to do with them. So then he says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And now he just takes a snapshot. He looks into the future and he sees 2020. <laughs> uh, and what 2020, 20, or 2021 is looking like. He says this, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. I love that one just smacked right in there. I mean, like, what? What? It's just weird. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women. We'll explain that. Some people are, how dare you make that? It's the Bible and we'll explain it. And captivate weak women weighed down with sins. There's a reason why they're weak. They're weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres, I guess we'll call them Jambres, whatever, opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus's and Jambres' folly was also. Woo! So we need to break this down a little bit and talk about who it is that we're allowing to influence our lives. Because the further we go in this life, the closer we get to what the Bible tells us is Jesus Christ's return, things are going to get worse. The world is going to continue to disintegrate. And we as Christians need to be able to respond as God wants us to. So we're going to look at this morning uh, in reference to these men. Who are these men? We're going to look at who they are, or who are they, what is their motivation, and then how should we respond? And then we'll finish out by looking at what the rest of Paul says. So who are these guys? Who are these men? Well, the Greek word um, means um, man. And so it could either be, and I hate to speak in gender terms, but it could be a man as opposed to a woman, um, or it could just mean people in general. And the context is going to tell you as you read Scripture what it is. Is it a man or is it people? Context would say it's people. So these are people who are these, this way. Second Timothy 2, the men were the people who teach false teachings. So we carry the context into chapter 3. Chapter 3, the men that we're talking about are those who are uh, false teachers. And they're trying to influence Christians. They're in the church. In the first century, church was done a little bit different than what we do today. Not a whole lot different, but a little different. And that they didn't have necessarily a pastor at every church every house. And so what would happen is, is through the power of God's spirit, someone would stand up and say, you know, 
here's a, a word from God. And so everybody would hear that word from God. And, and then they would be like, okay, wait, is that what Paul teaches? Is that what Peter teaches? Is that what the Old Testament teaches? And they'd begin to discuss with themselves as to whether that, what that person said was truly from God or not. Can you imagine what that Sunday morning service looked like? Uh, but it brings a lot of understanding. Like in 1 Timothy, Paul says, hey, men are not supposed to be raising their hands in anger, but in prayer. Because these guys are angry about you know, these debates that they're having over what somebody said. Well, that allowed false teachers to come in. Somebody could come in and just be like, hey, I got a word from God, and here it is, boom, boom, boom. And people are like, hey, I like that. That's a great message. I know what Paul says and Peter says, but this message, that sounds better. It's a lot easier, you know, whatever, whatever the case. But it allows false teachers in. Today, what happens, we don't let everybody stand up and talk a whole lot. Um, so what happens is the church hires a pastor or brings in, or, our, or I let some people teach, officially teach, and they start teaching things wrong. Or we turn on the radio, or the, does anybody turn on the radio anymore? Uh, the radio, or uh, internet, or podcasts, or books. We got Christian bookstores <laughs> full of people trying to tell us what they think God's word is. And so we allow things into our lives that way. Paul uses 19 different words or phrases to describe these false teachers, but it can be summed up in this. They are all out for themselves. It's all about what they can get using God and using Christians. Their focus is all about them and all about what they can get there are going to be people, there are, have been and are today and will always be people who will use religious words, faith-sounding talk, Jesus' name, God's name, Holy Spirit's name. They will use words from Scripture, but it's all about what they can get, what they can, what they can use God for, for themselves, or use others for, for themselves. He says there would be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, but not of God. This word is not the agape word. This is uh, phila, uh, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, Philadelphus, you know, so this brotherly love, this fondness. They have a fondness for themselves. <laughs> they have a fondness for money. They have a fondness for pleasure, just getting stuff for themselves. They, it's, that's what they're all about. It's, it's but not anything to do with God. They're not fond of God. They're not fond of doing life His way. It says that they hold to a form of, of godliness, but denied its power. Again, that's the whole religious side. That's the whole Christian talk. That's the whole make it sound like it's coming from the Bible. Take a little bit of truth and then wrap it with some lies and some things that helps me get what I want out of it. It's a twisting for their own fondness and desire. It says that some enter into households. That word enter means to creep in. They, they come in, they're slithering in. And back in the first century, um, as far as I understand from stuff that I've read, there's real big about, you know, um, orators, you know, these guys who would go through towns and they would talk about 
life and they would give wisdom for life and that kind of stuff. And they would look to the people to pay them in order to give them their advice. And a lot of people would take them into their homes and, and provide them a place to stay for the week or two that they're going to be there. That's why Paul said, I didn't want to do that. I'm going to be a tent maker. I'm going to build tents and make my money that way so I don't look like I'm using you like these other guys are doing. And so it could be that these guys literally went into these, the homes of these women or that their, te- their, their teaching went into the homes. Whatever the case, these guys were preying on these spiritually weak people because it's not about the person. It's about what they can get out of it. And so who do you go after? You go after the spiritually weak. And the sad thing, Paul describes the, 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 spiritually, uh, the spiritual weakness of them. They're just weighed down with sins. Why? Because, one, they don't know the truth. They're not paying attention to the truth, or they're not believing the truth, or the truth is too hard for them to understand, but they're not doing life God's way. So there's just this sin, and then there's this guilt, and it's just heavy on them, and that's what they're living in. And, and, then, and then it says that they keep searching for the truth, and they can't find it. Why? Because they're not looking to God. They're looking for these other men. They're looking to people who are just like them to give them the information that they need the problem is they're just like them. It's, it's people, it's them talking to the choir. Their life is being sucked out of them because they're looking for other things, other teachings, other truths that's not wrapped up in Scripture. And so they are weak, spiritually weak, and these people prey on them. And then he says they oppose the truth, and he goes back and we don't, you know, today we don't really know who these guys are, but evidently there's a tradition back in the first century. Everybody knows who Janus and Jambers were and, and what they were evidently. Were, uh, you remember the Old Testament story? Israel's in slavery, right? And so God calls Moses, hey, Moses, you're my man. I want you, I want to work through you to save Israel and rescue Israel, put them back in the promised land. So when they did that, God um, confirmed that he was, Moses was his man by having him do some like miracles. Well, these magicians, these Egyptian magicians showed up and they started imitating him. They were imposters, but they were imitating what Moses did. Why? Because they were trying to get Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the Israelites to realize Moses, it's not, you know, don't be listening to Moses and his message from God. We could do the same thing. We've got this. They opposed the truth. They opposed God's man and God's message And he's saying, these teachers are just like them. They're opposing God, they're opposing God's man, and they're opposing God's message by being imposters. And Paul says, hey, by the way, they have been rejected. And so as we hear people's teaching, and even if it sounds somewhat biblical, but it's not fully biblical, there's a good chance that they're not even followers of Christ. Because God's rejected them. They haven't placed their faith in him originally. Because why? They had denied its power before. They made a a choice to not really believe what God's word says. Sounds like a great group of people to be around, right? So how does God want us to respond to them? Now I get this. In in this day and age, what I'm about to say is going to sound very insensitive and very um, mean-spirited, I guess, uh, but it's true. He says this, to avoid, avoid such men as these. Now, last week we talked about verb tenses. So not only do you learn about the Bible, but you can learn about English and grammar. Um, 
So we talked about verb tenses, and this verb tense is the same as in the second chapter. It's a present tense. It means continually. So we are to avoid these guys. We are to continually, day in, day out, no matter the circumstances, no matter uh, what people might even be saying about these guys and how great they are or how wonderful they are, we're to reject them. We're to have nothing to do with them. We're supposed to turn off the radio, turn off the computer, close the book, throw in the trash, have nothing to do with it. Why? Because ultimately it's man's wisdom. And man's wisdom is all about getting, 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 getting for man. And when we do that, our lives are weighed down with sin. It's not about giving. It's not about doing life God's way. Now here's another reason why we believe it's Paul's talking about false teachers and not just anybody who is like this. So these people are not just anybody who's like this, but false teachers. Because we're never told to avoid a person who's not a follower of Christ or professes to be a follower of Christ who lives this kind of life. So if there's people in your life and my life who don't know Christ who are living this way, we're not to avoid them. We're supposed to be in their life. We're supposed to be the ones influencing them, speaking truth into them about who God is and what he wants to do in their life. But here's a little lunchtime discussion, all right? So this is something for you and whoever you're having lunch with to discuss. Look what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people, people who have kind of what we just read about. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or, or non-believers or with covetous and swindlers or with idolaters or for then you would have to, be, have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother or as I say, professing Christian. Because there's a lot of people who profess to be Christians. Are they? Well, it says here that any so-called brother, any professing Christian, if he's immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And then in 2 Thessalonians, he says, now we command you, brother, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's upping the ante here. It's in the name of Christ, I'm commanding you, that you keep away from every brother, again, a professing Christian, who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us, the teachings that you received from us. What's Paul saying there? This is, this is interesting stuff. So we're supposed to reject a person who maybe comes in the name of the Lord and teaches things that are not biblical. We're not to reject people who are not following Christ who live this kind of life because we're supposed to influence them. But if a person says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but their life doesn't have, doesn't have any real connection to what Jesus Christ said, he's saying, yeah, don't even have lunch with them. Wow. You know, 2021, yikes. So again, a lot of people say they're Christians, but what does their life say? What's a false teacher's life say? You got some of those you have to investigate. What do people's life say? That's the important thing. So, choice number one is man's teaching. Choice number two is God. So let's see what Paul has to say about that. He says, again, talking to Timothy, 
Uh, but again, the church in Ephesus is hearing this read. So you followed, or the word kind of means investigated, my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, and my sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors, like we just read about, will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God may be adequate, equipped, which is a great word, we'll explain that. Anybody want to be adequate in anything? <laughs> hey, you did an adequate job. You know, We'll explain what that word means. Uh, equipped for every good work. I'm glad they put that word in there because it makes me have some fun with it. But we'll explain what that is. So when you look at the false teacher, and even today, if you have some people in your mind that could be false teachers, if you look at their life and you look at Paul's life, whose life is more like Jesus? Well, obviously Paul's, right? I didn't see Jesus living in some five or six mansions. I, I didn't th see Jesus driving around uh, several Teslas. You know, I mean, he could have had one. He could have just said it. I want a Tesla, it would have been there. I'm not sure how he would recharge it. Probably figured that one out. After all, he is God. But Paul is kind of comparing his life with these false teachers. And so he, he tells Timothy, hey, listen, you know firsthand, you followed my life. Literally followed. He knew it well. That's, that word, it's a really long Greek word, so I didn't put it up there, and I'm not about to try to pronounce it. But it means to, fully, to be fully known, to investigate. Or, In fact, he traveled with Paul. Here's the interesting thing. Paul listed out Lystra. Lystra is Timothy's hometown. Paul came to Lystra. He shared the gospel. Timothy came to Christ. Then Timothy saw what happened to Paul, the beating that he took before they kicked him out until he went to the next town to share the gospel, to get beat again to go to the next town, to share the gospel, to get beat again. Because Timothy was with him. Timothy was like, man, I'm going to come to Christ. I want to do what you do. <laughs> you want to get beat? Yeah, but he did. And so he followed. He knew. He knew that Paul demonstrated Christ-like love to Christ and to everybody else. Paul was sacrificial. It wasn't about, other, it, it wasn't about him using other people for himself. It was about him giving himself to other people so they could know about Jesus. That's why he experienced Christ-like abuse like Jesus. Because all those who want to live life in a godly way, all those who want to represent Christ, the one who saved them from hell, all those who want to do that are going to be persecuted. They're going to suffer for his name. And so Timothy saw that. And so because of that, he says, Timothy, I want you to continue in what you've learned. You, you see what a false teacher is doing. You see what godly people do. You continue in what you're doing. There's that present tense again. 
So continually, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what people say, no matter how people treat you, no matter what goes on, continue. Stay with what you've been taught. Stick with what you've learned. Hang in there. That's the truth. Timothy saw that in his grandmother and in his mother. We learned about that in the first chapter. He saw godly women who were doing life God's way. They weren't these spiritually weak women. They were strong, godly women. He saw that. His father was a Gentile, Greek, was not a, a Christian. And so he saw it in his grandmother and his mother. And then he met Paul, and he saw it in Paul. And then he met Peter, and he met all these other guys, and he saw these no-name Christians doing what God wants them to do. He saw it. He understood it. He was a part of it. He experienced it. And then he studied the scriptures. Timothy, as a young man, young boy, studied the scriptures, understood what God was talking about early on. He didn't waste time. He didn't think, well, I'll do this when I get older. He did it right then, right there as a kid who came to Christ. It was all about knowing who God was and then watching God work in his life, which confirms to him what God's doing and who God is and that God's way is the right way. He, he talks about that it's the, um, you know, how do you, how do you phrase it? Let me, I don't want Brian to have to go back. That, uh, that from childhood, verse 15, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You know, some people will say, well, Harold, you guys talk a lot about the gospel a lot and talk a lot about salvation a lot. Why don't you guys get into some of the deeper stuff? And so it's like the people who say, hey, you got a good, you know, we talked about this last week. People who say, hey, you got a good book to study. Yeah, the Bible. So when people say to me, well, why don't you go like deeper in scripture? If you know anything about the Bible, you know you can't go deeper than the gospel. Because the gospel is you placing your faith in Christ so that he's forgiven you of your sins, so that you don't have to go to hell, but you get to go to heaven. But more than that, now you're here living on this earth, and your only responsibility for living on this earth is to do life God's way. I'm telling you, it's the gospel. And really what's deep is are we going to be obedient to do life God's way? And I'm guaranteeing you there's a lot of Christians who get a little bit nervous when I start talking that way. That's the only depth of Scripture being more and more obedient to what God's called us to do, taking steps of faith that are scary and uncertain, and I'm not really sure, but yeah, I think God's calling me to do this, so I'm going to take a step of faith. And then you see God work. You see God use you. And you see people in your life coming to Christ, and then you sit with them, and they're all like, I'm not really this God thing. What is going on here? This is really, un I can't understand how this. Hey, let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you where I was at, but here's the things that I did in order to gain understanding, and so let me help you. Jesus talks about the having the abundant life in John 10. That's the abundant life. When, when God uses you in ways that you never thought he could be used, not for you to get money, but for you to see people come to Christ and then help them grow in their faith, that's exciting. We've got people in our church who have taken that step of faith, shared Christ. I've shared Christ with them. They've come to Christ. They start doing life not perfectly God's way, but they're doing life God's way. Then they have family members who see what they're doing, make fun of them. Then later on, they come to Christ. That's the abundant life. That's exciting. That's what life's all about. That's a life worth living. So Paul knew that. Timothy knew that. And so it comes back to 
The gospel and God's word. Life is always about the gospel and God's word. Sharing the gospel, living the gospel, and knowing what God's word says. Why? Because God's word is inspired. It's God-breathed. It, God moved men along to write scripture, is what Peter says. This comes from God. This is a translation, so this is not inspired, okay? This is a translation, that's why it's important for us to get back to the original language and study it. And The original manuscripts, the original writings, those were inspired by God. God wants us to know him. God wants us to understand him. God wants to be working in and through us and experience the life that he wants to give us. You go, there you go. And it's profitable. That word means profitable. <laughs> no other good word, right? Useful, beneficial. It's profitable. It's, it works. It's what we need. It's, it teaches us. And that just, it means it just conveys us what the truth of God is. It just, we read it. We hear what God's truth is, conveying information. Then it reproves us, reproves us, or convicts us, maybe is a better word. It, it shows where we're not doing life God's way. So we start going through life, and then we realize, hey, wait a second, something's not going right here. What's the problem? Oh, I see what God's word says. The truth that I'm reading is I'm, he's teaching me, and I'm realizing I'm not doing life God's way. I'm convicted. Oh, that's not the right way. And then he corrects us. He said, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to let you know how to get back. How to get back on track. The, the Bible tells us how to get back on track. And so then we start doing what God's word says. We get back on track. And then what's that doing? That's training us for righteousness. It's disciplining us. Discipline's a good thing. All right? Discipline helps us get things back on track. And so he disciplines us in the path of righteousness. And so every time we read scripture, all that's happening to us. Why? So we can just be adequate. <laughs> Uh, adequate means capable. It means proficient. It means efficient. You want to know how to do life successfully. You want to know how to do life God's way. You want to know how to do life in such a way that impacts people for Christ, that you can have God use you to transform people's lives for an eternity. You want that life? God's word will make you proficient at that. I mean, that's just awesome. And equipped, trained, ready to do whatever it is that God calls you to do. Whatever good work God calls you to do. However the hard work is. However how hard the work is. He's ready to give you what you need in his word. That's why it's so important to be in his word. It's why, you know, I'm just constantly telling you guys to be in his word. Whether we like it or not, life comes down to this the gospel and living it in God's word. It makes life pretty simple in one sense. It makes it a little bit more difficult as people respond to it. But we live a life in such a way, reflecting the gospel, the love of Christ in such a way that draws people to us so we can share the gospel with them. And then we are in God's words to know how we could better do that. How do we better respond as we know who God is and how he operates? Well, as the band comes up and, and closes this out, got our takeaways. So if you're first time with us, by the way, welcome. Glad to have you. Um, if you fill out one of those connect cards, make sure you get your gift at the information center. Um, but we do takeaways every week. Kind of, it's okay, okay, what's the deal? Some of you guys fall asleep and you wake up at the takeaway. So that's good. Time to wake up. There it is. Number one is this. Evaluate those speaking into your life. 
Like teacher, like student, you will become who you listen to. I am so much like my parents. For good and bad, I'm so much like my parents. Why? Because I listen to them. In a lot of ways, in some ways it's just DNA, but you, you will become who you listen to. And so we, we need to be evaluating what people are pouring into us. Is it biblical? You won't know if it's biblical or not until you're in the Bible knowing what the truth is. All right, so the second is to commit to let God speak into your life. Consistent time with God in his word, reading it, asking questions of it, having him teach you so you understand what God has to say about life. We do a class called the Grow Class. We're going to have it on February 6th. I want you guys to know God's word. I want you guys to study God's word. I don't want you guys just, well, my pastor says, my pastor says, my pastor, no. You got to say what the Bible says. So we have a grow class. A large portion of those three hours on a Saturday morning, we provide food as well. Always got to have food. Is on the Bible. Some very practical things that you can do to get you rolling. And if you've been studying the Bible for a while, I would encourage you to come anyways. And just relearn some real basic stuff on how do you understand the Bible and put it into practice. And then lastly is this. For some of you guys, when you hear me say you got to share the gospel, you freak out. I get it. I've, I've been there. I still do freak out from time to time if I'm talking to somebody. But start a, start a spiritual conversation this week and, and do it by this. Find somebody who doesn't know Christ and then say, or you think they don't know Christ, and then just say, hey, listen, if you were on your deathbed, not that we want you to be, but if you were on your deathbed and you had to share last words with your friends and family, what would those last words be? And then let them share and just see. It'd be kind of interesting to find out, right? But I guarantee you they're going to say, well, what would your last words be? And I hope that you would share something about the importance of who Christ is and what he's done for you in your life. Because this world is going away. And one of these days we're going to be in heaven when we die. Or not. It's all depending on what you do with Jesus Christ. So have that conversation with somebody this week. Tell me about it. If you do, I'd love to hear what the, how that went because that's a great way to just kind of break the ice and start a spiritual conversation. Dave? Dave?